0: Well, if you were paying attention to the news this week, you know that yet another politician has bit the dust. St. Louis County Executive Steve Stanger resigned this past week after he was invited, invited, indicted by federal prosecutors for allegedly providing lucrative business deals to campaign contributors. Now, this is not surprising that another politician has been caught with his hand in the cookie jar. What's even less surprising is that this same politician was elected a few years ago by convincing us that he would work hard to clean up local government. How we've heard that promise before. Stenger assured us that integrity would be a core pillar of his office. Embarrassingly, many of us believed him Now, it's easy to talk a good game on integrity, but when it comes down to it, the pressure to succeed and get ahead can make even the most principled people just chuck their ethics to the wind. Now, we might not be politicians, but we share their struggles. We all face the challenge of maintaining our integrity at work. We all deal with the temptation to compromise our character while practicing our occupation. And like Steve Stenger, lest we be judgmental. Many of us fail. That's what we're talking about this morning, integrity on the job. Right now we're in a series here at Rooftop called Faith at Work. And the series is about how to do our jobs as Christians. For people who follow Jesus, our faith should impact every part of who we are, including who we are at work. Being Christians, on the job is one of the most significant ways that we can actually impact the world for Jesus. God knows this, which is why he has a lot to say in scripture about how to do our jobs well as his people. So over the course of the series, we've been talking about various job-related challenges, how to identify your true vocation in life, how to work with difficult coworkers, how to work for difficult bosses. And this morning, I wanna talk to you about something else. I want to talk to you about maintaining your integrity at work. Integrity means soundness of character. It means moral wholeness. A person with integrity has a moral consistency between their thought and their actions and what is good and right. The word integrity actually comes from the same word from which we get another word, the word integer. You know what an integer is? An integer is a whole number, one, Two, ten, seventeen, twenty-four. Somebody else give me an example of an integer. Three hundred and sixty-seven is an integer. Is seventeen point eight an integer? No, it's not. It's not a whole number. Cinco. C. <laughs> <laughs> si. Cinco está un integero. I don't know. <laughs> so a person with integrity is morally whole. Completo. Sorry, we need to stop this. (laughs) I said we'd be done. I was integrity. I'm lying. (laughs) So a more religious word for integrity would be righteous, right, or pure. And it is God's clear expectation of his people that we live lives of integrity in general and also at work. This is strongly implied in Paul's instruction to the Colossians in the New Testament when he writes these words. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So whether you are working for this person here or for that person here, pretend as though you work for God because you kind of do. He's the one you're actually working for. He's going to be the one rewarding you. Give your boss your best work because you're actually working for God. And it's not just God, for the record, it's not just God who expects integrity at work. For what it's worth these days, integrity is all the rage in corporate America. Integrity is actually a current corporate buzzword that every company in government official, aspires to. According to uh, business consultant Patrick Lencioni, 55 out of the top 100 American companies actually list integrity as a corporate value on their website. Most people seem to understand that the values of honesty, uh, responsibility, respect, these are core ingredients of integrity, they should guide corporate behavior. Now, that's very easy to say, of course. Values are easy to write down on corporate website, but those values do not always trickle down to their employees, let alone match reality. Take as an example, as one of many examples, Enron. Maybe you remember that back in the early 2000s, Enron was one of the largest energy companies in the the world, actually, not just in the country. It proudly announced integrity as one of their values guiding their business. Then it all came crashing down in 2004 when the company was exposed to be a mess of fraud. Uh, Company executives had been illegally stealing money from the company based on illegal accounting schemes when the company went bankrupt. Thousands of employees lost their jobs and their pensions. So it's easy to talk a good game on integrity, but hard to deliver. And lack of integrity is a widespread problem at all levels of government and business. It's not just corporate executives or county executives who are guilty of integrity problems. According to Statistic Brain, for example, 75% of business employees have admitted to stealing at least once from the company. 37.5% of company employees have admitted to stealing twice. $50 billion is stolen every year from U.S. businesses by employees. 33% of bankruptcies are caused by employee theft. So one out of every three companies that shuts down in the United States is a result of employees stealing product. But it's not just inventory theft from businesses that causes problems. Time theft is another problem. Millions of Americans get paid by their employers for doing nothing. Fudging timesheets buddy punching Do you know what buddy punching is having somebody else clock in for you wasting time on the internet Misusing paid leave long lunches according to one research firm the average American employee steals 4.5 hours per week from their employer. That's six weeks a year Discrimination is another workplace crime we commit Treating people differently on the basis of gender, age, ethnicity, sexuality, religion. Also, lying. According to a higher-right report, 85%, in a recent study, 85% of prospective employees were caught lying on their resume. Overall, unreliability and poor performance is a problem. Not giving your best effort is a violation of integrity in as much as you promised to give your best effort when you took the job. As a culture, we might say we value integrity at the office, but based on reality, it's really hard to believe that. For many of us, our places of work are just cesspools of humanity's worst tendencies, and we just kind of fall into it. Even I do. In college, uh, for a few years, I worked as an office aide up at Truman for a psychology professor named Dr. Fred Schaefer. Dr. Schaefer was kind and helpful to me. He uh, trusted me to run his office when he was off teaching a class. He was a very busy professor, so he was off teaching a lot of classes, and he actually wasn't in his office a lot, which meant that neither was I. Knowing the office was empty, I'd just sleep in, I just would not show up, or I'd show up for a minute, I'd like shuffle some papers around, leave some evidence of me being there. One day, Dr. Schaefer actually canceled classes without telling me, and he showed up to his office where I was supposed to be collating mimeographs. Anybody remember collating mimeographs? I wasn't there. He called me angrily and asked me where I was. I apologized profusely. I said, oh, I must have slept in. I'll be there. This will never happen again. There was absolutely no need for me to tell him that this was common business practice for me. Or to take another example, uh, one summer when I was in college, I worked for Sun and Business Park over in Maplewood. I don't know if you know where Sun and Business Park is over in Maplewood. And uh, I walked around all summer, all day, picking up trash. That's what I did a big long broomstick with a nail on the end, and I'll walk around the streets of Sun and Business Park picking up trash, picking up trash, cigarette butts, QT cups, McDonald's bags, dirty diapers, used condoms. It's amazing what you would find on the streets of Sun and Business Park. I hated the job. I found every opportunity I could to go to the bathroom. 30 times a day, I would go to the bathroom. I uh, would just go to the bathroom, escape the heat, escape my job, and just sit in the bathroom stall, listen to Disney show tunes on my Walkman, (laughs) 30 times a day. Nobody can drink that much water. I was not that hydrated. (laughs) Even as an earnest believer back then, it was just so easy to leave my stated values of hard work and honesty in the car when I pulled up in the morning. I liked pretending to be a man of integrity. That made me feel good. Pretending to be a man of integrity, but that's as far as it went. Lest you judge me, lots of us are like this. We talk about integrity, but we get to work and we just don't care. Now, why not? Well, there's lots of reasons we behave badly on the job. First, we're sinners. Sinners are selfish greedy unfair and irresponsible. We behave badly on the job because that's kind of the people we are Secondly, we can get away with it Much of our work is oftentimes unsupervised Nobody will notice we are not on our best behavior because we don't need to be I mean under normal circumstances Dr. Schaefer would have never known that I come in late to the office That's poor management on his part. So I fault him On top of that, everybody else is doing it. When everyone else is being lazy or lying on reports, it makes it easier for you to do the same, especially if you fall behind for not following the crowd, which is another reason that we behave badly. We want to get ahead. You know what they say, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. This is not only true for the New England Patriots, but also for us. We behave badly sometimes to get ahead of our coworkers. But maybe the biggest reason we behave badly at work is because an awful lot of us hate our jobs. It's very difficult to be on your best behavior and turn in your best work for a job that you can barely stand. And a lot of us not only might hate our job, but actually feel taken advantage of and disrespected by our employers. I mean, they work us to the bone, they pay us pennies, so we feel justified in slouching off or skimming a little bit off the top. We're just taking what we deserve. I mean, if they're not going to care for us, you know, we're going to have to care for ourselves. There's a lot of reasons that we behave badly at work. And to be clear, these are bad reasons to behave badly at work. These are not good reasons to compromise our character. I mean, the fact that you hate your job isn't a good reason to to steal or slouch off. It might be a good reason to find a new job, but it's not a good reason to slouch off or, or check in late. And what's unfortunate is that the consequence of these moral compromises we make on the job are disastrous. We are harming our employer, we are harming our fellow coworkers, many of whom we actually like, by weakening the company or their organization they depend on. We are risking our livelihoods and our ability to support our families and give to worthy causes. I mean, this is not rocket science. Unemployed people have a hard time paying their bills, let alone tithing. But most importantly, we're compromising our witness as Christians. We're failing to show our unbelieving coworkers that Christians do things differently. We're failing to show our coworkers that righteousness on the job is not only possible, but that it's worth it. Righteousness on earth and on the job will be rewarded by God. Remember what Paul wrote to the Colossians. He said, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know, or do you, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. The Lord rewards the righteous, even at work. When we compromise our character on the job for any reason, we're giving up any reward God might have in store for us here on earth or in heaven. So given the importance of maintaining our integrity on the job and given the profound difficulty, how can we do so? My question for you this morning is, how do we keep clean hands while doing dirty work? Or to put it another way, how do we bring home the bacon without smelling like a pig? How do we keep clean hands while doing dirty work? Well, I have four quick points that I want to share with you about keeping clean hands while doing dirty work. Four points. First, live by God's standards, not our own. If by God's standards, not our own. It's important to remember that when we sign up to follow Jesus, we are accepting a new moral standard for how we do business. And it's His standard, not ours. And Jesus' standards are high. How high? Pretty high. Let me just tell you what Jesus says about how how high his standards are. Here's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. Here's what he says. He says, be perfect. That's high. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's a high standard. Moral perfection. Now, of course, God knows that we're not going to meet that standard. We will talk about forgiveness in un momento. But, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try our best to live according to those standards. I mean, when we sign up for fo- to follow Jesus, we agree to his perfect moral standards. Moral perfection at work includes many things, but includes ruthless honesty, taking complete responsibility for our actions, absolute fairness towards others, total submission to authority, impeccable dependability, the best quality of work that we can provide. That's moral perfection. Now, why are God's standards so high? Well, it's God. It's who he is by definition. He is morally perfect. And as God's offspring, we should walk in his footsteps as our father. We should look like, you know, the father we have. But the reason this is important in work settings is because, like I said, our moral standards tend to adjust to what everybody else is doing. In our hearts, we're all moral relativists, who adjust our definition of right and wrong based on context. When I worked at Sunin, for example, every morning at 9.30 a.m., we would get a 15-minute break. That 15-minute break became a 20-minute break, became a 30-minute break, became a 45-minute break. Now, did I pop up at the end of 15 minutes out of the grass and get back to work? No, of course not. Why not? Because nobody else was doing that. I didn't want to look like I was the guy who was working too hard. But whose standards matter, my fellow employees or God's? In general, when you become a Christian, in a sense, you give up your right to determine what you think is right and wrong. This is pretty important for you if you're here this morning investigating Christianity, When you become a Christian, in a sense, you actually give up your right to determine what is right and wrong. I mean, think about it. Morally depraved people like you and I aren't going to do a very good job determining what is right and wrong anyway. What credibility do we have to determine what's right and what's wrong? It's God's standards that count, and we're not the ones who get to set them. Live by God's standards, not our own. That's the first key to keeping clean hands while doing dirty work. Second, Find some workplace support and accountability. Find some workplace support and accountability. Maintaining integrity on the job is too difficult to try on your own. We need support, we need help. In the book of Thessalonians, for example, in the New Testament, there was a group of Christians that weren't working very hard, they were committing the sin of idleness. We we talk about that here at Rooftop. people who just don't work very hard, whether it's in the church or outside of the church. Uh, Around here, we actually call those people male nipples. People who are part of the body of Christ, but not doing anything. You know, male nipples. (laughs) Welcome to rooftop, by the way. (laughs) So Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica to address the problem of male nipples. He tells them this. He tells them that they need to address the problem as a group. Respect those who work hard among you. Hold them in the highest regard, in love, because of their work. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Basically, challenge and encourage one another to be good workers. One of the best ways to do this is to have a workplace accountability group. If you work in a difficult environment that makes it hard to be a Christian, it's probably hard for other Christians to work there too. Find out who those people are. Put up a notice by the water cooler. It says, hey, I'm a Christian. This job is driving me crazy. You too? Let's talk. And then put your number on the little slips of paper at the bottom. Schedule a monthly workplace support group. Create a place a group of people in your life where you can confess workplace failures and talk through uh, ethical workplace decisions. I know. I actually know some of you teachers have this kind of group, a little lunch group, where you get together to support one another. It's not a gossip group. They're not, not there to talk negatively about students or coworkers. It's a support group. Uh, my wife, Michelle, is a manager down at St. Louis Children's Hospital. She <clears throat> deals with hospital bureaucracy that redefines the word stupid But in order to deal with it, she knows exactly who she needs to talk to just to get through the day. If it's too hard talking to people at work, about work, find somebody outside of work. I'm part of a a small pastor's group, and we try to meet together as often as we can to hold each other accountable. This might come as a shock to you, but pastors occasionally get bad attitudes too. I mean, the other pastors in the group, they have bad attitudes. I'm there mostly to listen. I just want to support... (laughs) I have a couple of friends here at Rooftop who are part of the Christian Businessmen's Association. This group has breakfast, they have speakers, they have groups, they have mentoring programs to help business folks keep their hands clean in a dirty world. Get some accountability, get some support. Holding on to your integrity, it's too important, it's too difficult to try alone. Thirdly, by way of keeping clean hands, take a stand for righteousness. Take a workplace stand for righteousness. As Paul writes to the Ephesians, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. Learn integrity. Figure out what integrity looks like in your setting. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather, Expose them Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them in a workplace environment This means not being afraid to challenge common business practices where you work if you see Integrity related problems it means to speak up when you see something going wrong now lead by example, of course, you know, don't be a hypocrite Remember what Jesus says remove the plank from your own eye before you start pointing out all the specs in your fellow coworkers' eyes And don't do so judgmentally I mean, it's one thing to rat out your fellow employees or go above their heads or embarrass them in public. It's another thing to speak privately to others about your concerns with humility and grace, but it's what God's people should do. God calls his people to take a stand for righteousness in a dark world. God calls his people to raise the bar. A while back, for example, uh, my oldest son, this is a story from school, but it was like his workplace context, Uh, He was waiting in the lunch line at school. And another student skipped past the line, walked up to the beverage cooler, opened the door, reached inside, took a soda, put it in his pocket, started to walk away without pain. Uh, Mitchell got his attention. said, hey man, hey, don't do that, that's not right. Didn't make a scene, didn't call over the school resource officer, excuse me officer. He just reminded this other student about what's right. The other student felt exposed, knew it was wrong, put the soda back, walked away. Take a stand for integrity. You can do this without getting people in trouble. If you have a coworker who tells demeaning jokes about women or minorities or gay people, pull them aside, tell them, there are better ways to be funny. If you work with someone who slacks on the job, ask them, hey, is there something going on at home? Why aren't you making your best effort? How can I help? Be a friend, not a tattle. Now, I should say that taking a stand for integrity doesn't always go well. I know that many of you have taken stands, even small ones, and have suffered retaliation for them. Some of you work in moral cesspools, and let's be honest, you are just holding out for retirement. Some of you have no confidence that your boss cares a whit about doing what's right, so what's the point? And I feel for you. It can be very difficult knowing how and when to take a stand, and I can't tell you what to do. That's between you and your accountability group and the Holy Spirit. What I can tell you, though, is that God's people have routinely been persecuted for righteousness over the years, even at work. And God promises that our righteousness will be worth it in the end. As Jesus says, again, in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, I would add, in context, fire you, demote you, cut your pay, call you names, try to shove you out the door, complain about you to the boss. Rejoice, be glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Take a stand for righteousness. God's got your back. Either we believe that or we don't. So if you want to keep clean hands while doing dirty work, maintain God's standards, not your own, get some accountability, get some support, take a non-judgmental stand, and finally, repent and be forgiven. Repent and be forgiven for your workplace crimes. When it comes to moral character, we've seen that God's standards are high. God's standards are perfect. For, for, For sinners like us, God's standards are frankly unattainable, which raises the question, Why would God tell us to be perfect, knowing full well that that's impossible for us? Why would God tell us to be perfect, knowing full well that's impossible for us? It's like setting a bar up there. Hey, jump this. Can't. Well, one of the reasons he would do so is to expose our sin, not to embarrass us, but to forgive us. Christians are not those who walk in our own righteousness in our own integrity, but in Christ's We are made God's children not by being perfect But by being forgiven of our imperfections and receiving to our account the perfect integrity of Jesus Christ and in this sense our jobs are gifts our jobs are gifts in that they remind us what terrible sinners we are And frankly, that's not something we want to be reminded of, but it's something that we have to be reminded of, even continuously, in order to understand what it means to be a Christian. It means to be forgiven of our sins. And in this sense, our jobs are gifts, in that they remind us what sinners we are. We are lazy. We are selfish. We cut corners. We can be uncooperative. We can be disrespectful to superiors, We are great greedy. We want credit we haven't earned. We want raises we might not deserve. We have bad attitudes. We give others hard times. We sneak in late. We sneak out early. We waste time on Facebook. We laugh at crude jokes told by coworkers. We don't pray for our bosses. We curse them instead. We steal supplies that don't belong to us. We use company resources for personal profit. We turn in second-rate work and pretend that it is our best effort. We drop balls. We're sinners. Our jobs reveal this, sometimes more vividly than any other part of our lives. It's a miracle that many of us are even able to hold down a job. Why, given our terrible moral on-the-job track record, why would God add us to his team, given our poor performance? Why would we think that we deserve anything from God, given who we are on the job? Because God has got a grace. And because he has a vision for what we can become as his workers, his employees. He has a vision for the sort of company he wants to build, the work he wants to do. He wants us on his team. He wants us in his company. But it starts with forgiveness. We have to be forgiven. As John writes, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This morning, we want to give you the opportunity to be forgiven of your workplace sins. John writes that if we confess our sins, he is faithful. In order to be forgiven, though, we must confess. So before we close this morning, we're going to take a few extra moments for workplace confession. I'm going to close this in prayer and then give you the opportunity to confess to God how you have violated his perfect moral standards on the job. I'll mention some common workplace sins that many of us have committed. With bowed heads, if I'm describing you, if you're willing, and if you're ready, take a stand for righteousness by actually physically standing in confession. Stand before God with head bowed in full recognition of how you have failed to honor God on the job. Stand and be forgiven. God wants to give you clean hands, and he can by washing them with the blood of Christ. But first, we have to stop pretending that our hands aren't just filthy. So let's pray. Father, we thank you humbly for making your standards clear for your people. We are called to perfection as you are perfect. We know that we will not meet that standard. We will only meet that standard, that righteous standard of perfect integrity because of the perfect life that your son Jesus lived and the righteousness that he imputes to us. It is by Jesus' perfect integrity that we are made righteous and by his death that we are forgiven of our sins. And boy, are we sinners. It's hard to deny that. We are people who consistently miss the mark of your moral perfection. And our jobs are gifts in that they expose our sin. Many of us, maybe not all of us, but many of us are our worst selves at work. We can be forgiven of our sins, of course, because of what Jesus did on the cross. We can be forgiven, but before we can be forgiven, we must confess. So that's what we want to do this morning, Father. We want to confess. We want to be unburdened by our sins. We want to confess to you first, Father, our theft. If we've stolen time or goods or resources from our employer, we stand before you now and we admit it that time, that money that we've stolen from you. is not just our employers, it is yours, and we stand physically before you acknowledging we're thieves. We've stolen time that doesn't belong to us. We're lazy, clock in late, check out early, long lunches we don't have permission for. If there is restitution we need to make, give us the courage to make it. If there are changes we need to make on how we use our time at work, Help us make those changes. By standing before you, we confess our laziness, our theft. We also want to confess to you our lying. If we have lied at work or misrepresented ourselves to protect our reputation, to make ourselves look better, or to get ourselves the job in the first place, we stand physically before you now and admit it. Forgive us of our lies, our duplicity, our deceit. Give us the courage to be truthful, to let our yes be yes, and our no, no, and nothing more, regardless of the consequences. We also want to confess to you our gossip, our bad attitudes towards coworkers and supervisors. If we have hated people and mistreated them socially we stand before you now and we admit it we do not always carry with us the love of Jesus when we go to work we give in to hatred and gossip and disrespect these are people that you created in your image though they deserve better than how we've treated them they deserve grace prayer compassion encouragement We also want to confess to you our poor performance. If we have not given our best, we stand before you now and we admit it. Paul tells us to do our work as unto the Lord. You deserve better than what we've given you, Father. You deserve better than our mediocrity, our carelessness, our sloppiness. We do not work for the bosses we think we do, we work for you. And you deserve our absolute best, and to whatever extent we haven't given it to you, we repent. And we stand and admit it. By your strength, we ask for your help to give you our best work. There are many ways that we have violated your principles at work, Father. If we've sinned against you in any other ways that haven't been mentioned, we all stand before you now. We take a stand for righteousness by acknowledging our sin We stand for righteousness by receiving from you the gift of your forgiveness. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, we can be forgiven of our lack of integrity. We do need your help to change, though, Father, so we ask for your help as you turn us into the workers, the forgiven saints that you need to build your kingdom. You want us on your team, you want us in your company, but we must be forgiven first. We pray this things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and by the power of your Holy Spirit.